And so in Matthew 6, 33, and there's a lot of good things happening right now. In the next two months, they're really, really pivotal points in our church. There's three things that are going to be, we're going to be launching this spring, and we want you to be a part of it. So be in the services, be awake, be alert, and be all in for what's going on here in your midst. Amen? So, Father, tonight we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for giving us utterance and ears to hear and eyes to see that which you'd say to us tonight. And, Lord, we honor you and praise you, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray and all said amen. amen. We've been talking about the kingdom of God, and in Matthew six thirty three it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So the last couple of times we've landed on the keys of the kingdom. And that's found over in Matthew chapter 16 and verses 15 through 18. And I want you to notice something that Jesus said in verse 19. And this is in connection with the head of the church building his church. He is building his church. He has been doing so for a long time. And he will do so until he comes for his own. He's building his church. In Matthew 16, and uh, I believe it is verse 19, it says here, And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now let's back up to verse 18 and notice with me what he said. And I say also unto you, and he's speaking to Peter, because Peter had this revelation that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so it says, I say to you that thou art Peter. Literally, Peter means a piece of a large rock, or we could call him Rocky or a little rock. <laughs> thou art Peter, but upon this massive rock, upon this rock of revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, that is what I'm going to do. I'm going to build my church, and now notice with me, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. And so you and I are some of the fruit of the church that he's been building for many, many years now. All born again believers are part of this great body, the body of Christ. So the question is tonight is, what is he building his church out of? What are those building materials? We want to look at that a little bit tonight. So flip over to Ephesians, the second chapter, and we'll begin in verse 19, Ephesians chapter 2 and the 19th verse. What are these building materials? We get insight into it in Ephesians 2.19, where he says, Now therefore, you are no more strangers, and what? Foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Now let's just stop right there. Notice this with me. He says, you're no longer a stranger. You're no longer a foreigner. Now if you back down to verse 12, you see what a stranger and a foreigner has as a result of him or her being outside of this covenant. In verse 12 it says that at that time, ye were without Christ. Many of us, We're without Christ for a long time. I'm so glad that you are in Christ and that we are in Christ together. Amen. 
that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens or strangers from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So literally, he's talking about the Gentiles, that they were strangers, they were foreigners, they were, if you will, on the outside looking in. And notice with me, it means that not only were they on the outside looking in, but they lived without the rights and the privileges of citizenship. Even though they were in the same area and in the same land, they were outside of the covenant. But thank God you and I were once outside, but now we're inside. And we got friends in high places. Hallelujah. And so he says here, now notice this in verse 19 again. You were strangers and, foreign, and foreigners, but now you become what? Fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. You know what it means to be a fellow citizen? That means that you possess all the rights of full citizenship in the kingdom of God. Amen. Now notice in verse 20. And are built, Jesus is building his church, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone of whom every structure is aligned perfectly. What this is showing us is depicting to us that believers are carefully joined and that we are constantly growing and we are growing into a spiritual structure and we are all indwelt by God. Indwelt by God. Himself, Jesus, being the chief cornerstone. So oftentimes we hear this phrase that uh, sometimes the... A church building in many quarters is called the house of God. But in reality, you and I are the temples of God. We are the temples of God. Now, you can't just make that statement without backing it up in Scripture. And for those that you know, who know this, it would be good for you to hear it again. And it would be good for you to know where it is in your Bible so that you can disciple others and that you can teach others that God isn't out here somewhere, but it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, when you make Him your Lord and Savior. Amen. Now notice just a few scriptures along this line. In 1 Corinthians uh, 3.9, it says, For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry, you are God's building. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God. Paul is saying like this, guys, you should know this. You are the temple of God. And that the Spirit of God occasionally drops by to fellowship with you. 
And the Spirit of God, if He's in a really, really super good mood, He might just give you a little bit of time a day. No, He's not aloof like some people are. He's not aloof like some uh, situations we face in life are. But oh, thank God, He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You are the building of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. And then 1 Corinthians six nineteen. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? When you get a revelation that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, you'll take better care of your body. Because that is where he lives. You'll feed it right. You'll dress it properly. You'll make sure that you don't subject your body to things that it shouldn't see, taste, or feel. Come on, somebody. We're preaching a little holiness up here in the house tonight. I think a lot of holiness needs to be preached in this day and this hour. But when you get a revelation that God's living on the inside of you, glory to God, it'll do something for you. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. People will say, well, it's my body. I'll do with it what I want to do. You are wrong. It's his body. You're bought and paid for with the price, not only in your spirit, but your body has been bought and paid for. Hey, the Lord is for your body. What do you say? We go all in and have our bodies completely for the Lord. That's part of seeking first the kingdom of God. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16, it says, For you are the temple of the living God. Thank God our God's not dead. I said, our God's not dead. He's alive. He's living in us. He's not dead like Muhammad. He's not dead like Buddha. He is alive. Hallelujah. And you are the temple of this living God. And here's what God is saying to you tonight. I will dwell in you. And I will walk in you. And I'll walk with you. And even though you may be walking through the valley of the shadow of a death, I'm not only with you and for you, but I'm on the inside of you to see to it that you get to the other side. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Raise your hands and say, thank God. I am his temple. So this building is separated and it's sanctified and it's consecrated for the use of God's kingdom right here. Pastor Kenneth Hagin came and dedicated this building to the Lord in August of 2007. We're in our 10-year anniversary right here as a church building. Amen. Praise God. So it's separate. It's sanctified. It's set apart for the master's use, right? But you are the temple. You are really the house that he inhabits. One person said this this way. One of the greatest differences between the New Testament believers and the Old Testament believers is the fact that New Testament believers are the temple of God. God himself actually indwells them. In the Old Testament, he goes on to say, the Spirit of God would come upon people and anoint them for service. And then he said this, during the days of the Old Testament, man built an elaborate temple in Jerusalem and God said that he would cause his name to dwell there so that the people could pray to him in that place. But right now, in the days of the new covenant, God does not dwell in a building made by man's hands. He now lives in the hearts of those who have made Jesus their Lord and Savior. So for centuries... He's been building 
his church. And he, he just continues to do so. I mean, right now, people are being saved all over the world. Right now, people are getting born again. Somewhere in Asia. Somewhere in Africa. Somewhere in Europe. Somewhere in New York City. Somewhere in San Francisco. Right now, someone is calling upon the name of the Lord. And they become living stones in this great structure that he's building for his glory. Glory to God. It's exciting to be alive in this day. And in this hour, now, there's going to come a time when the temple, when the church will be complete. Now look at with me in First Peter chapter 2 and notice with me in verse 4. We're going to unpack this thought, this revelation as of living stones and being part of this great structure. It says in First Peter 2 verse 4. I still hear pages. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4 says, Coming to him as to a living stone, um, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and very precious. Now here's Peter's picture here. Peter's picture here is that God is building a spiritual temple. A spiritual house. And he's using living stones like you and like me to do so. The rock that he's referring to, of course, is Jesus. And that is the foundation that the church is built upon. And I've got good news for you. You already know it, but you'll shout with me anyway. It is, in fact, the most solid foundation that you could ever stand on. It is the firmest foundation that you and I can stand on. The storms may come. The floods may get into the boat of our life. But when your house is built upon the rock, let her come. It will not fall. It cannot be shaken because you are part of a kingdom that is unshakable. Glory to God. Amen? So... This solid foundation that you're on, it's not cracking. It's not sinking. There's a lot of people that are. Their lives are falling apart in every area of life. And though you may be tempted to fall apart, you've got a hold of him and he's got a hold of you. And he is upholding all things by the word of his power. Can you raise your hand and say, thank God I'm upheld. I'm upheld by the word of his power. He who upholds the whole universe. He who said, let there be light. And this universe is still expanding at the speed of light. Light is progressive. It's constantly moving. It's constantly flowing. He who said that. Who sits on the throne at the right hand of the Father. Loves you and cares for you. He's superintending the whole universe by the word of his power. And yet he knows you by name. He knows my name. He knows your name, Raul. He knows my name. He knows my address. He knows my body. He knows my needs. And he comes 
to all of us in intimacy because of his great love for us. Woo, glory to God. That means he can, if he can uphold the Milky Way, he can take care of our PG&E bill. Right? He can take care of whatever we may face. But it's a matter of us making sure that we don't pay attention to those things that are trying to bring us down. But begin to shift our attention on Him, the rock of our salvation. And keeping your heart and your mind and your thoughts and your words only on Him will cause you to be okay. (laughs) Amen. Cause you to be a-okay. Glory to God. Say it with me. My house is going to stand because I'm part of his house. Okay, so 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 bears this out. Notice. It says, you also, as living stones, are built up. Everyone say built up. A spiritual house, a, ro- a holy priesthood, in order to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We're living stones. We're a holy priesthood. We're offering up spiritual sacrifices that he accepts and that he is well pleased with. So he's answering the question for us tonight. The question is, what is the Lord's house built out of? It is built out of living stones. It's built out of living stones. When you were born again, you were born again from the same DNA of your Father God and your Lord Jesus Christ. We are living stones, born again of the same material, of the foundation of the chief cornerstone. Woo, the rock. I'm a chip off the old block. And I'm fitly framed in that temple. And so are you. It's a big thing. We are not out here loose rolling stones. We have no sympathy for the devil. Amen? We don't sing, I can't get no satisfaction. Because in Christ, he satisfies the hungry soul. We're not out here with moves like Jagger, no. We got a move of the Holy Ghost in our life. We're not rolling stones. Glory to God. We're part of the rock, like Brenda says, that will not roll. Hallelujah. Come on, smile tonight. <laughs> Andrew Womack says this, and I like to look on Andrew's website every now and then because he has. Some commentaries there that are are good. Andrew Momek says this, Even a living stone cannot build something great for God as it sits all on its own. What God does in us together. 
is important. He is building something out of us together. We're joined together. Beautiful, beautiful analogy. Now let's go back to Matthew 16. And let's look at verse 18 again. Matthew 16 and verse 18. I'm going to get real deep with you tonight. I'm going to give you the deepest word for the word gates that you've ever heard of. Did you know that the word for gates literally means gates? That was, hey, come on now. You could call me Mark the Revelator, whatever. Matthew 16, verse 18. And I say also unto thee, it's important to listen to what he said. You're Peter. Upon this rock, I will build my church, and will, what will not prevail against it? What will not prevail against the church? What does that mean? What does that mean? The word gates, like I just said, means gates. Further revelation, what does a gate do? A gate opens and a gate closes. A gate is a device that controls exit or entry. A gate controls those who can get in and those who can get out. Those who can't get in and those who can't get out. And so here's the enemy's tactic. The enemy's tactic is to keep people from getting out of bondage. He's got them behind the iron gates of bondage. And his tactic was to keep me there and to kill me at a young age so that I would be doomed forever Behind those gates in hell. That's his tactic. His plan is the same for every human being. Okay. You see, before you were a living stone, you were behind the gates. And that's what the enemy is doing. He's holding people Behind those gates. And here's what our attitude should be as living stones. When we see people that you know very well are in bondage. Rather than looking down upon them. Or shaking our head and say, oh my goodness. Look at that hair. Look at that. Can you believe that? Instead of being so self-righteous and so pomp and full of pride, we should see every human being as building materials. Building materials. Potentially... 
a living stone. Come on, somebody. And you know, the good news is this. When the last living stone is sealed in place, he's coming back. If I could play the guitar, I would. If I could blow a horn, I would. But I'm doing it on the inside. Glory to God. Gabriel's puckering his lips right now. And when the last one comes in, you and I, we are out of here in the clouds of glory. And what we're doing until that day is we're working on a building. It's God and Sons Building Company. (laughs) Hallelujah. Is that right, Tony? We're working on that building. Glory to God. So he's building his church. The gates of hell can't hold back a person who gets the light. And here's what these keys are for. You and I have been given great revelation about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know that it's not condemnation and it's not guilt and preaching sin that draws men and women to God. It is the goodness of God that leadeth men and women to repentance. Amen? And so as ambassadors of the Most High God and His building company, God and Sons, we implore people. That's right. We persuade them with every bit of persuasion we have that God is a good God and that He loves them and that His arms are open to them. And we pray on behalf of Christ that every person would be reconciled to God. Hallelujah. That's what a local body is all about. Everyone say we're reaching the lost. You think about it, you've got keys. Amen? And what about this? The devil couldn't keep you from being delivered. He couldn't keep you from being translated. Just think about what he did for you. Man, when I think about his goodness and what he's done for me, I think I could tear this building up. I think we could run all night, shout all night, dance all night, praise all night if we just started thinking about our good, good God and all the good things he's done for us. Hey, the goodness of God will take people right out from beyond those gates into the kingdom of God. It'll take them from sickness to health, from depression and sadness to the joy of the Lord. Amen. Now let's go quickly over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And let's notice just a few more verses here. Say, thank God people are coming into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of life and liberty. In 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 2, it says, But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, 
not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth. What does manifestation of the truth do? It sets people free. Commending ourselves to every one man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, verse 3, it is hid to them that are lost. It's hidden to those people that are in prison, that are trapped in darkness. It's hidden to them. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Unless, what happens? The light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should do what? You're the light of the world. Light is flowing through you. Light is flowing through me. Now notice in verse 5, it says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. I'm telling you, once the light gets in, and they make a decision, the devil cannot hold them in. They can see the light. And it is the entrance of his light that does what? Entrance of his word that gives light. You just never know. I mean, in your life, out there in the marketplace, on your job, you never know what a Christ-like smile can do for a person. A smile coming from Christ in you can light up a room. A word in season, come on, a word in season can take a heart or take a life that has been stooped and downtrodden and depressed, but a word in season can lift people right out of the doldrums. And it can be as simple as you just be an encouragement to them. You don't necessarily need to give them the Romans road and preach to them a 20-minute message. You just be like Jesus. Exude the life of God. Exude the love of God. That's what's happening is light is coming to them. And that's not all the, the only way this works. But you'll find sometimes when people see Christ in you and they're not sure what it is, they'll ask you about it. John, how come you're so happy when all this stuff is going on in the world? Or, Tony, what's going on in your life? You seem strong. You're over 70 years old. You seem like you've got the strength of a 30-year-old. What's going on? Huh? Or you, you're at the gas pump and, and you're singing a song. You're singing the Holy Ghost. You're, you're, singing, you're singing this song. Hey, happy day. Happy day? Are you crazy? How come you're so happy? Because I just had my happy meal in the kingdom. Hallelujah. I'm happy in God. Amen. Let your light shine. Let your light shine. Forget about yourself. Forget about your troubles. Forget about your woes. That's the devil's business. Don't put your light under a bushel. Verse 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, 
has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So what is Jesus doing? He's building his church. And that's not only the truth. He's also building it through you. We're involved. Say it with me. I'm involved in building his church. Is he using us? Are we available for him to use us? Here's what happens. The building of his church can increase exponentially. What does that mean? That means that every time a person gets saved, every time a person comes out from behind the gates, new building materials come in. I'm calling in new building materials. And what happens and what should happen, and this is our part, they should be discipled and they also should become builders. I'm a builder. How many builders we got here tonight? Yeah, but pastor, I need to be built up. I understand that. I do too. But that's why we act on what we heard Sunday morning, right? We stir up the gift that's on the inside of us. And we don't let that gift lie dormant. Amen? We're builders in the kingdom of God. So really, the more complete that the structure gets, the more increase of the building begins to take place. Now let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And let's look at verses 6 through 9. I think I might preach this on a Sunday morning too. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 and 9. I'm working on a building for my Lord. Hallelujah. Working on a building over there in the Philippines. Working on a building here in Hayward. Working on a building over there in Oakland. Working on a building over there in San Francisco. Oh, yeah, but pastor, pastor, wait a minute. San Francisco, San Francisco is so dark. Let there be light. Don't talk about how dark it is. Talk about how bright and how light and how wonderful this glorious gospel is. Speak light in the darkness. The city of San Francisco is a candidate for a great move of God. We're working on a building. Working on a building in Castro Valley. Working on a building in San Leandro. Hey! Working on a building over there in Fremont. Where 15,000 Afghans live. Where people go to the mosque daily and worship a dead God three times a day. But we're working on a building. And there are no walls too big that the light can't penetrate. There's no heart too hard that the gospel can't get in and cause it to be turned to God. Come on, somebody say, we are working. We are working. We are working. We are working on a building. 
Seems you're kind of excited for a Wednesday night. Thank you, Jesus, to still have the fire of God at almost age 67. Glory to God. Amen. You know, we got approved for our loan this week. Glory to God. And they wanted to know what our succession plan was. You know, if you go on or something happens to you, what's your succession plan? Well, we have a succession plan in place. But I ain't planning on going nowhere. And that ought to be your attitude, too. I don't remember what he said. Wait a sec. The president of the bank, when he looked at you, he said, well, you've been here 35 years. You've had a good run. And then he looked at Pastor and he said, it looks like you've got a lot more run in you. <laughs> <laughs> to God be the glory. So do you. So do you. We- oh! <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. We got a lot more run. We got a lot more run left. Hallelujah. And we're kicking off something in the month of April. We're going to announce it Sunday. It's called Equip. We are called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And I'm inviting all of our leaders, all of our prospective leaders, all of our team leaders, all those who are interested in being mentored and sitting under ministry for four weeks. We're going to talk about the work of the ministry. I believe that God wants us to shore things up in this church. Why? Because we're builders and we're working. We're working on a building. So we're going to build the saints up so that they can go out and work on the building. Amen. The Lord gave me three words. Equip from Ephesians 4. Pastors, teachers are given for the equipping, the perfecting of the saints. The second emphasis that he gave me during this time is not only to equip, but to edify. And to edify also means to build one up. But then the third word that the Spirit of God gave me was to empower. And the word empower means to authorize. It means to license. It means to encourage to the degree where people's confidence gets built up, where they can see themselves. I can do this for the glory of God. I can run this race. I can do the things God's called me to do. It's going to be an exciting season here in the church. And we're going to let you more about, know more about it. God is on the move in our church. He is on the move in our church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 through 9, it says, I have planted. You know, when you're 67 years old and you've been in full-time ministry for almost 40 years, to God be the glory. To God be the glory, number one. But you learn some things just by accident. And we want to impart some of those things to you. Amen? Brenda and I and others. Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians 3, 6-9 says, I have planted, Apollos watered. But tell me now, who gives the increase? Tell me again, who gives the increase? 
<laughs> Hallelujah. I've planted. Other people come along and water. But it's all for his glory. He gives the increase. Verse 7. So then neither is he that planteth anything. Neither is he that planteth anything. Neither he that watereth. But God that gives the increase. That's the focal point here. It's all about him. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own what? Verse 9. For we are laborers together. With who? God. God and sons. God and daughters. We are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. In verse 10, it says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation and another builds thereon, but let every man take heed how he builds thereupon. Oh, hallelujah. 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 I believe that we're coming into our greatest days. Our greatest days. Listen, every time... Someone sees the light through you. We gain some. But the enemy loses. He loses another one. He is the abuser. He is the accuser. But he is the biggest loser. I've ever known. Hallelujah. Say it with me. I'm on the victory side. So what we're doing here in Heart of the Bay, as long as Brenda and I are here, as long as this church stands, we're just here to plunder the enemy's reserves. So that people get saved and they become living stones and they become workers together with us.